Amen. All right, well, come with me in your Bibles. We've only got a few minutes left and I've squandered all this time. How good was Paige Bombasi? Oh, dear God. That was incredible, Paige. That was probably the best offering message I've ever given, uh, I've ever heard. I, I want to give like everything. I'm like, I'm, I'm not holding anything back. I'm giving 90%. It was so good. But God bless you. What a, what a great, great word. Now we know why Casey's so awesome. Shell of a man, Paige marries him. And look at him now. Not doing too bad. All right. Really quickly, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Uh, we've been doing a series called Let Us Pray. Or Let Him Pray, I think it might be. Let Him Pray. Why we did that, let us, let them. Pronouns. <laughs> pronouns. Actually, you know what? If anyone asks you what are your preferred pronouns, my, these are mine and you can steal them, you can borrow them. My, my preferred pronouns are your majesty <laughs> and your highness. What are your preferred pronouns? Your majesty or your highness. And uh, anyway, just throw that out there. But anyway, um, so, so here Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. So, so the disciples come, teach us to pray. John taught his disciples, why don't you teach us? He's all right. When you pray, say. When you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, obviously, King Henry, when he became the, the official head of the Church of England, kind of wanted to do something church head kingly. And so he added a stanza from his hero, David. So some Bibles will have, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for it ever and ever. But it's not in the original. King Henry VIII added that in there. He stole it from David. But it finishes with delivers from the evil one. I preached a message on Wednesday night and uh, we used to have, kind of have a thing a few years ago that um, because so many campuses, I don't want to be the only voice that people hear because we have people like Casey Bombasi and Paige that walk in the anointing. We have people like she Shelley Griever that walk in the anointing. We have an Alex Clark that walks in. We have, this, we have people that walk, and my job is to release the anointing, not to try and hog it and, hey, it's all about me. Like, put your eyes on Jesus, but while you're doing that, don't forget, I'm the one reminding you of, no, no, that's enough, back on me. Okay, now back to him, like just fluctuate. That's it. Oh, that's, you know, so, so one of the first things that God has to heal in, a, in, any, in any leader is insecurity. Yeah, insecurity corrupts kingdom more than anything else. And so, uh, so I want to I raise and release, you know, pastors, leaders, preachers, prophets, you know, release them. And so, but one of the requests, and it wasn't, I never liked to make commandments, was, hey, guys, you know, it's good for you to hear what I'm preaching on a Sunday. You know, the whole week, whole week, just, you know. And uh, then the other day in staff meeting, I, I made a comment about, you know, one of my messages, and people are just like, <laughs> I thought, oh, maybe. The, and so, I, and, the and I realized, oh, sugar. They're not listening to my messages anymore. So I preached this message on Wednesday night down at, um, at South Campus. And I thought, I'm going to preach it at San Marcos. They're not listening to it anyway. I'm writing four brand new messages every week, four messages a week. And these scallywags are not even listening to it. So what, what, what's the title? What, can you put the title up? What's the title of this message today? The Giants You Must Destroy. The Giants You Must Destroy. So believe it or not, I preached a message, Graced to Take Down Giants, so I changed it to today because I got revelation from it. But I want you to know that all five giants that I'm about to identify fit into the Lord's Prayer, that I had no idea that the Lord's Prayer was as profound and powerful as, as what it is. So we all know that David killed Goliath. How many people know that? Okay, David killed Goliath. I'm not sure if you realize this, but Goliath had four brothers. Did you know that? So 1 Samuel 17, verse 40. 1 Samuel 17, verse 40. And we're going to kind of go a little bit rapid fire for time's sake. 1 Samuel 17, 40 says that David took his staff in his hand 
and he went down to the brook and at the brook he chose five smooth stones. I agree with most Bible scholars. He chose five smooth stones, not because he was taking one for each brother, but because a smart warrior has five, in case one bounces off his head, you know, he's got four more chances. But I believe that there was a, a prophetic edge, definitely, because as we read the scriptures, we discover that Goliath wasn't the only giant in Gath, that Goliath had four brothers. He had four brothers. And so very, very prophetically, when the Holy Spirit said, choose five smooth stones, five incidentally is the number of grace. Grace. You and I are being graced with, with five digits on each hand. We're graced to work. We're graced to, you know, whatever your hand finds to do, do with it. We're graced to be able to walk in the footsteps of God, walk in the blessings of God. A, a good man's steps are ordered by the Lord. You have five toes on each foot. Five is the number of grace all the way through Scripture. When Jesus ascended on high, led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Gift is grace. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, fivefold ministry. Five is grace. There were five porches in Bethesda. Bethesda means house of grace, place of outpouring. Five is grace. So David takes five smooth stones. We know that the first giant that he takes down is a giant by the name of Goliath. But he also faces four. So come with me. We're going to read First Chronicles. Let's go to Second Samuel 21, 15 to 22. Uh, if we can throw those ones up there. And I'm going to read from there. If I can, here we go. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines and David grew faint. When David grew faint, Ishbai Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zuriah, Sounds like Lord of the Rings, doesn't it? But Abushai, son of Zuriah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall no longer, no more go out to battle with us, lest the, 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 the lamp of Israel be quenched. Next verse. Now it happened afterward that there was again a battle between the Philistines and the Israelites at Gob, and Sibachai the Hushathite killed Saph, who was one of the sons of the giant. And again there was a war in Gob, where the Philistines... Uh, with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jair Oragim, who spoke Elvin, maybe, the Bethlehemite, killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. You'll see this theme all the way through. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature, who had six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot, 24 in number. He was also born to the giant. Now come with me into the book of First Chronicles, chapter 20. And the reason we go doing that is because there's one of the names of the giant that's not revealed here. So I want to read both passages of, of this account because there are, there are the names of the giants revealed, but not in, not in each. So you've got to read both to get them. Now it happened afterward that war broke out in Giz with the Philistines, at which time Sibachai the Hushethite killed Sippai, who was one of the sons of the giant, and they were subdued. Next verse, again there was a war with the Philistines and Elhanan, the son of Jair, killed Lamai, the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, whose shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. Next verse, yet again there was a war at Gath where there was a man of great stature with 24 fingers and toes, six on each hand, six on each foot. He was also born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, David's brother, killed him. These were born to the giant in Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. What, one of the things that, that Pastor Quatcha preached on this platform yesterday afternoon was that warfare is normal if you're a Christian. The, the, the Bible introduces and teaches and instructs us that you and I live uh, in a world where there are dueling kingdoms. Dueling kingdoms. Uh, I've heard fools say, the devil doesn't have a kingdom. The devil's got no teeth. The devil is, you know. But Jesus said, if his kingdom is divided. And so God bless you, theologian, but I'm going to stick with what Jesus said over you. So Jesus says that the devil has a kingdom. The devil has a kingdom. 
there is a, the kingdom of this world and there is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of this world, may I say to you, is infected, is saturated by the virus that is luciferic, that is satanic. And in this life, while you and I are on planet Earth, you will always find an abrasive. You will always find a rage. Just a week ago tonight, we had Dennis Prager on this stage. And he said, you know, there's a word for, you know, this homophobia is a word. Islamophobia is a word. Xenophobia is a word. He says, but right now on the planet, more Christians are being killed, are being martyred than at any time in human history, but there's no word for it. You, you will never hear because the spirit of this world rages against Christ. If you, we heard from Psalm 1 this morning, Psalm 1 encapsulates all the Psalms. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor does he stand on the path or sit in the seat, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's Psalm 1. Psalm 2, it says, why do the nations rage? Psalm 1 encapsulates all 150 Psalms, but Psalm 2 encapsulates the spirit of the world that we rage against. And the spirit of the world says that there's a rage in the world. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth and the nobles gather together against the Most High and against His anointed, saying, come, let us break their cords in pieces. Let us cast His, his laws from us. The Lord sits in heaven and he laughs at them in derision. But there's a war, there's a restlessness, there's a rebellion that goes on in this, uh, in this world. And so you and I need to understand that you need to, whether you like it or not, if you do not understand your authority and if you do not understand spiritual warfare, you will live a limited life. But I'm a born again Christian. Yep, you'll go to heaven, but you'll look back from heaven and realize, wow, I should have pushed that devil out. I should have beat down that stronghold. I should have taken down that giant. I didn't realize. So I want to give you those five today. So the first one that we know that David took down was Goliath. Goliath was the first one. Goliath's name means soothsayer. A soothsayer is a medium, is a, is a prophet that doesn't prophesy by the Spirit of God, but prophesies by a demonic spirit, by a demonic spirit. The Bible says that Goliath would present himself for 40 days and for 40 nights, morning and evening, morning and evening. As the Israelites were waking up, as, as, as the sun was rising over the Israelite camp, here walking down into the valley, dressed in full battle array with a bronze helmet on his head and a coat of mail and a sword, a spear and a javelin and a shield bearer went before him. And standing in the valley, this voice would bellow, give me a man that we may fight. <laughs> I believe that Philistine and Russia very closely connect. Dobra <laughs> Bajalovat. Give me men. Ya pakrashu tebe na mielki kusochki. He's there for 40 days and 40 nights, morning and evening, morning and evening, presenting himself, saying, I defy the armies of the living God. Am I not Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man. Let him come down to me. If this man defeat me, we'll be your servant. But if I crush him like cockroach, <laughs> you will be our servant. The Bible says for 40 days and 40 nights, morning and evening, morning. The first word they heard in the morning was intimidating. The last word they heard at night was unsettling. First word in the morning, intimidation. Last word, unsettling. Do you know how many Christians are born again? They are going to heaven but they are unsettled and they are intimidated because they're living under a word that they haven't yet taken down over their life. See, the, the, the Lord's prayer opens, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May I just say to you that God doesn't will anything he doesn't word and God doesn't word anything he doesn't will. I know his will by his word. God is not a man that he should lie. And God doesn't, God doesn't say something and say, well, I was just kidding. I didn't really mean that. When God speaks, 
every word that proceeds from the mouth of God does not return to him void. It always accomplishes. God has intention. How do I know God's will? It's in his word. How do I know God's word? It's in his will. God's will and his word are interchangeable. But the devil wants you to live under a different word. He wants to replace the script. It's interesting. Psalm 1 says that we ought to meditate in his word day and night. Isn't it interesting because Goliath presented himself day and night, morning and evening. God said to Joshua, remember Joshua's job was to cross the Jordan River, was to enter into the promised land and sack giants, was to take down all the enemies, the Hivites, the Jebusites, uh, the Hivites, all, all the enemies of Israel, they were to conquer, they were to dismiss and dispossess and drive out. God says, I'll be with you and I'll drive out all the nations. Only be strong and courageous and meditate in my word. Meditate in my Lord day and night. When I read my Bible, my Bible introduces Jesus in the book of Revelation as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the Aleph and he is the Taf. He is the first and the last. The devil wants the first thought in the morning to be one of hopelessness, one of fear, one of despair, one of failure, one of, and he wants the last thought of night so that you don't sleep peacefully. He wants to rob and torment and so many Christians live under words that are not scripture, but they are a script over your life saying you'll never amount to anything, you flunked out of school, you, you don't have a GED, you don't have an education, you're a college dropout. You're a twice divorcee, you're illiterate, you got ADD, you got ADHD, you're never going to amount to you're such a failure, look at that. And the devil wants you to live under a script that doesn't reflect the Word of God. you got to make a decision that the first giant you're going to take down is the soothsayer. you got to recognize that now that I'm born again, devil, I'm no longer in the kingdom of this world. I've been born again in the kingdom of the Most High God, and His Word reigns, and His Word prevails, and and the greatest thing I can do and the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to come into alignment with the Word of God. What God says, I'm going to believe and that settles it. Now here's the problem. Here's the problem. The words that my father spoke over me. I remember playing soccer and, I, and, and we were playing against Oak Flats. And we'd never beaten Oak Flats. And in this game, we won 3-2 and I scored all three goals. I was the striker. And I remember at the end of the game, the, the coach lifted me up on, on the shoulders and, you know, we won. We beat Oak Flats finally. For, for like five years, we'd never beaten Oak Flats. And I remember my father was in the crowd and I thought, today, today, my dad has to say something positive. Like, we won the game. I scored all three goals today. We walk to the car and he's silent. We get in the car, he's silent. We're driving from the field. He's silent. And I said, Dad, what did you think of the game? And he said, when you run with your skinny little legs, you look like an old woman. Wow. I always lived under a word that because I remember I would wear I would wear sweatpants under my school trousers to try to make my legs not look so, because a word was spoken over me. I lived under words that I was not enough, that I, would, I, I didn't have what it took to be a man. And if I was honest with you, when I looked at my life, I'm like, wow, yes, there's an amen. My life agrees with Goliath. He's like, am I not a Philistine? Don't you guys have a promise that your God will drive out all the enemies of Israel, hello, what's standing in front of you? Me. You know what? I'm too big for God. Oh, yeah, God will heal a headache, but I'm terminal cancer. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, God will uh, cancel a school debt, but you ain't going to own a home. This is California. Do you know how expensive California is? Do you know? He, he stands there saying, I defy the word of God. Your God can only deal with little things. He can't deal with. You've got to make a decision that even though right now my feelings and even though my failures and even though my experiences have been in alignment with the soothsayer, with Goliath, I'm break. That's why I love David. David comes down and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Who 
is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Oh, that's a little bit personal. You know why David said that? Because God said to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all that as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. Go and drive out every man, every demon, every stronghold, every giant, every enemy. And David's like, hey, he may be nine feet nine tall. Because when we, when we read the opening of 1 Samuel 17, it talks about the bronze helmet on his head and he had a coat of mail that weighed. How did they know? They didn't weigh it. They were guesstimating. And he had, you know, bronze armor on his legs and on his forearms and, and a shield bearer and he had a sword and a spear and a javelin and the weight of his javelin was like that of a weaver's beam and all this kind of stuff. But they forgot the most important thing. David says, hey, guys, not sure if you noticed, he's a man. He may be 10 feet tall and intimidating and he's piping off morning and evening, but God gave us a promise that no man, he's an uncircumcised, he's not in covenant with God, he's still a man. Why has nobody fixed this? Make a decision, you're going to take down your Goliath, come out of alignment with the soothsayer. Don't let the devil's word be the script over your life. That's why this is called scripture, because God wants this to be the script of your life. I made a decision. When I got saved, I was going all out for the word of God. And if God says it, then I'm going to begin to believe it, even though I may not be experiencing it now. And I'm going to tell you this, 35 years later, as I've applied this word to my life, my life starts to reflect this word. I don't want my life to reflect Goliath. Well, why would I let the devil determine the script or the quality or the content of my life? I made a decision. Goliath, you are going down. First stone, bam! Come into alignment with the Word of God. All right, number two. (laughs) With seven minutes left. on earth as it is in heaven. Now watch this. Give us this day our daily bread. Giant number two, brother of Goliath number two, was a giant called Lachmi, L-A-H-M-I. But in the Hebrew, it's, it's, it's not a hey, it's a chet. So his name is Lachmi. Lachmi is where we get the word lachem. Lachem is bread. His name literally means keeper of the bread. Keeper of the bread or occupier of the bread. Hmm. The Bible says, give us this day our daily bread. My parents, Ali Cullen, would have slapped me if I would have said, give us this. You say, may I? And please, please, sir, can I have more? You know, but, but Jesus, Jesus is almost like, Telling with a level of entitlement, give us this day our daily bread. Almost like he said, it's not good to take the children's bread. And to, you're entitled to bread. But watch this. Lachmi stands there and says, I'm the keeper of the bread. Last time I checked, no, you're not. See, he doesn't mind you being saved and going to heaven. He just doesn't want you occupying bread. He just doesn't want you pl- prospering. He just doesn't want you fulfilled. He doesn't want you nourished. He doesn't want you flourishing. He, 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 he is the enemy of prosperity. Now, I love the fact that when we started the church, they told me three things not to do. And you may say, well, you're just rebellious because you're German. And uh, they told me, they said, don't move in the spirit. I'm like, check the box. They said, don't empower women. I'm like, done and uh, and they said and whatever you do don't talk about money because this is southern california and people are really materialistic if you want to build a big church don't touch about money because if you talk about money people will leave oh they'll find another church where they they don't talk about money but they just have a little box at the end and they apologize for it so whatever you do if you want to build a big church uh, so i'm like "Mm mm-hmm i've got my three now the number 13 is rebellion in the bible just so you know that 13 is the number of rebellion jesus had how many disciples and him makes how many Exactly. 13. 
Because he's trying to teach us that you are rebelling against a corrupt world global system. Anyway, all right. So anyway, so Lachmai. Lachmai, Lachmai is the keeper of the bread. He doesn't mind you going to heaven. He just doesn't want you to prosper here on earth. The Bible says that out of, out of Eden went a river to water Eden and it parted and became four river heads. And at the very, very first one, the first one was called Pishon. The Bible says, and, and, and at this part, it skirted the land of Havilah where there was gold. And the gold in the land of Havilah was fine gold. It wasn't ordinary, average, it, was, it was the finest gold was there. At the very, very first turn, God gave Adam a commission in, in the garden. He said, fill the earth, be fruitful, fill the earth and multiply. Fill the earth with sons and daughters. Because Adam sinned, his seed was corrupted. So God had to send a second Adam who now causes sons and daughters to be born and filled all over the earth through the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. But it's the same commission. Fill the earth with sons and daughters of God. God's plan has never changed. But God says, as you go out of the garden, you'll notice if you just follow the very, very first turn in the river, there's gold because everything you need to establish the kingdom, everything that you need, I've already put the resources in the ground. The problem, the problem today is the wicked covet the gold. So they take the gold. They want to make sure that you, the sons and daughters, the right benefactors of the gold don't have the gold and they want to take the gold and the silver and the jewels and the wealth of the earth and they want to fund wickedness. They want to fund the devil's kingdom. But I'm telling telling you, you need to understand that there is a lachmai that you are called and anointed to take down, that you are called and anointed to take down lachmai, that, that he is not the occupier of the bread. He is not the keeper of the bread. God is the giver of the bread and you need to take him down. God wants you to flourish. God wants you to increase. God wants you. Now we get that all the time, but you know, there he goes again. He's preaching that prosperity gospel. He's just like Joel Osteen. Friend, God's got a plan for you. <laughs> If I was honest with you, put me in that thing, you know. And, and I was listening to a, a, a book the other day where some guys, you know, and, and, and they're preaching a prosperity gospel. You can't find in the Bible where it says give like God's some giant slot machine in the sky and you give and it says it'll be given back to you. Press down shit. Oh, that's Luke 6.38. Okay, well, Joel Osteen says if you're generous to God, and you're generous to other people, then God and other people are going to be generous to you. Yeah, where's that in the Bible? Oh, it's in Proverbs eleven twenty four. The generous soul shall prosper and heal waters. Well, oh, okay. well, uh, you know, these, these prosperity preachers, they preach that if you give your tithe, that God opens the windows of heaven, pours down, say, yeah, where's that in the Bible? Oh, that's in Malachi 3, verse 10. It's, it's like it's all the way through the freaking Bible. Are you kidding me? Psalm 35, 27, the Lord takes pleasure in the prosperity. God didn't put the wealth in the ground for the wicked. He put the wealth and the resources in the ground for you, the righteous. But hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't trust myself, do I? Like, I just feel like if I made millions, I'd backslide. Well, I've got, I've got good news for you. Every single Sunday in this house, you'll have somebody like a beautiful Paige Bombasi who will get up here and preach about money. And you'll, oh, I, I don't like that church. They're always talking about money. You'll find the people are cheering and screaming on because people that have money problems don't want to hear about money because they have a problem with money. But the people that money doesn't have them, they have money are cheering and screaming. Because let me tell you, greedy people don't give and giving people don't greed. And the antidote to greed is giving. So if you made $100 million, you don't need to fear that you'll backslide because we will give you opportunities to give. We will challenge you about honoring the Lord with the first fruits of all your increase. We'll challenge you about being benevolent and you will find that greed will never get its talons in you. You only need to worry when you become Schmeagle. It's mine. My precious and filthy little recurs them. Yes. No, no, Master of the Cohen. Master of the Cohen. No, them's tricksy. 
You don't need to, you don't need to be him. Oh dear Jesus, I'm so naughty. I promised I would do better and I'm doing worse. Number three, number three, number three. Sipai. Sipai. Sipai's name means terminator in the doorway. Terminator in the doorway. This is really, really important. When you get saved, you are born again. The Bible says your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. The moment you receive Christ, you have eternal life. You have everlasting life. But I want you to notice that the the day that we get born again, Rick, we don't immediately get raptured up to heaven. I mean, it'd be a heck of a lot easier if we did. But God kind of leaves us behind here in this chaotic mess We've got to deal with despot governors, crazy boards of supervisors, rogue school boards. Right now, the average, right now, the the COVID death of children under the age of 18 worldwide is one in 174,832. But the amount of deaths from the COVID vaccine under 18 is under one in a thousand. But they're, they're going mandat- to make the vaccine mandatory. We, 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 so while you and I are alive in this world, God didn't take us up into heaven because He wants you to know that life It arrives in stages. It's experienced in seasons, but it's lived on levels. Life arrives in stages. Pregnancies, there's three trimesters, three stages of development. Life, there's childhood, there's adolescence, there's young adult, there's adulthood, family, old age, middle age. Life arrives in stages, but it's experienced on levels. The Apostle John said, I was, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day on the Isle of Patmos, and I heard behind me a sound. And as I turned to look, there was one walking amongst the seven golden lampstands. His hair was white like wool. His eyes were flames of fire. His body was like that of burnished bronze. He had in his right hand seven stars. And as he spoke, his voice sounded like a multitude of powerful waterfalls. And I fell before him. And he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the one who was and is and the one who is to come. He realizes Jesus But then in the fourth chapter, in Revelation 4 verse 1, he says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven, and I saw a door open in heaven, saying, Come up here, for I must show you things that are going to take place after this. In other words, I was experiencing God on this level, but I found that there's another level. The Bible says that God does things line upon line, precept upon precept, that He takes us from glory to glory, from glory to glory. So life arrives in stages. It's experienced in seasons, but it's lived on levels. When you got saved, you you thought on a level, you operated on a level. But God, as He begins to work His gospel, as you begin to get discipled, you begin to let old things go. Paul says, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I spoke as a child, I interact as a child, I process as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things from me. There's a maturing. There's there's a development. God is trying to take you to a new level. You used to process immaturely. But this one here, Sipai, he's the terminator in the doorway. He doesn't want you to go through that door. He wants to keep you on this level of you're always reacting. You always, you, you leave one relationship after another. You get fired from one job after another because you've never allowed God to deal with the pain, to deal with the dysfunction, to deal with the stuff in your background. And you'll stay on that level, but God keeps calling you up to another level. You may say, well, you know what? You don't understand. We tried this year. We put offer after offer, offer after offer, and we just kept getting outbid. I think there's God's will for us just to rent. No, no, no. The, the terminator, Sipai, stood in the doorway. He doesn't want you. He wants you to remain having a landlord over you. He doesn't want you to 
cross through into where now you're Lord over land. But I got good news for you. All five giants fell by the hand of David. You are anointed to take down Sippai, the Terminator, in the doorway. He's the Terminator trying to stop you. Man, I was single. And every time I tried, no, 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 you're going to go through that door. You're going to be married. Oh, well, you know, we're married, but we're unable to have babies. You're going to have babies. He's the Terminator in the doorway. Do not let him set the thermostat of your life experience. God's got a new level for you. Somebody say amen. Number four is Ishbai Benob. Ishbai Benob is very, very interesting. Because the Bible says that, that he, he looked and he saw David had grown faint. The David, David grew faint. He was puffed. He, when he slayed Goliath, he was a teenager. But now the years have moved on. He's older. He doesn't have the energy. He's still anointed as a giant slayer. But his humanity is now in the way. I'm most vulnerable when I'm tired. Tired and fatigued pastors really make great choices. You don't make your best choices when you're tired. We get hangry, get cranky. The Bible says, and when he saw that David was faint, this spirit Ishbi Benob thought he could take out David. And he was brandishing a new sword. He thought, what a great way to baptize this sword than to take out the king of Israel. But thank God for Abushai, the son of Zuriah. He takes down Ishbi Benob, takes him out. Ishbi Benob means occupier of the priestly places. Occupier of the priestly places. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. Occupier of the priestly places. It's very interesting that Ishbi ben Nob means he who dwells at Nob. Nob, N-O-B was where Abiathar the priest, it was, it was, it was a, a town set aside for the priests in Benjamin, in the land of Benjamin. Years later, we read David, nothing's in the Bible by coincidence. David comes to Nob, to the house of Abiathar, when Saul has dispersed 3,000 assassins into the countryside to hunt David down. 3,000 3, dog the bounty hunters. looking for David to assassinate him, to kill him. And David runs into the house of God, Abiathar the priest, with his men. He says, I'm hungry. Do you have any food? He says, all the food that we have is the bread that's on the showbread for the priest. But he brings him out and he gives it to David because you and I are called to eat the bread of priests. You and I are called kings and priests in the, and he says, do you have any weapons here? He says, the only weapon I have here is the sword of Goliath. And David says, give it to me, for there's none like it. In the house of God, you get, you get weaponized with what takes the head off Goliath. In the house of God, you get fed with the food that brings nourishment and strength. But this spirit, Ishbi Benob, wants to occupy the priestly place. See, you may be saved, but he wants you living with the stains of your sin, the stains of your past, the stain of remorse, of regret. Here's the problem. There's no time machine where I can go back into my past and make better choices. This thing doesn't want you to have peace. He wants to continually remind you of what a schmuck you were, what a sinner you were. He wants to remind you of all your failed, all your mistakes, all your... But when I read my Bible, I find that my Bible lives, my God lives outside of time. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's in my past, mopping it up. He's in my present, working right here, right now. And He's in my future, setting up in a glorious future. A good man steps to order by the Lord and he delights in his way. But this one here, Ishbi Benar, he, he, he doesn't want you to experience cleansing. He doesn't want you to experience full deliverance. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 says, Paul, 
a bond servant of Jesus Christ. Like, hang on, hang on, you mean Saul, right? He's like, no, no, mama and papa named me Saul, but I'm born again. I used to be Saul, the murderer of Christians, but I'm born again. That's not who I am anymore. I am Paul, a bond slave of Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not who I used to be. See, the devil doesn't mind a, a page being saved, but I'm telling you, he can't stand the fact that that girl's anointed. He can't stand the fact that Alicia Williams can prophesy. He, 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 he rues the fact that, that Michaela can lay hands and break chains. He, he, he is devastated that a Mike and Rachie Finn can cast out demons. He is devastated that, that Tim and Linda Smith can move in discernment of spirits, in the gifts of the spirits, and break chains and shackles over people's lives. See, this guy, Ishbai Benob, he wants to believe that he owns the priestly places. When, when, when I started dating Leanne, and I promise you I'm finishing. I promise I'm finishing. I know I'm really naughty. Kayla gave me that look like, yeah, really? You said that before. All right. When I started dating Leanne, what was very interesting was uh, Leanne came from a Christian home. And so I just thought, oh, well, you know, I come from a jacked up, messed up home. And Leanne's home is, I mean, from all appearances, they were like the perfect family. I used to call Leanne's dad Jesus. Because I'd sit with him. I thought, oh, man, I'm not even saved. And... Uh, but then as you scratched away the veneer, you found that there were some skeletons in the closet. There was some junk in the trunk. There was some, the attic in the basement had some. So when Leanne got filled with the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes in quite often, all hell breaks loose. And literally, uh, I had to cast three demons out of her when she got filled with the Holy Ghost. And the demons went back to her great-grandfather was the head poobah of the Freemasonry Church or the Freemasonry Temple. In fact, the Freemasonry Lodge is named after her great-grandfather. Leanne has four sisters. There's five girls, no brothers. Her mother had four miscarriages. All four were boys because one of the curses in Freemasonry is that you'll have no son to be your heir. So there's one night I'm praying with, um, praying with my father-in-law and he breaks down and begins to to talk about some of the shame and some of the things in the past that he was still carrying today as a Christian because this spirit Ishbai Benob was occupying the priestly place saying you have to carry this sin and this is you can't tell anybody because as I'm praying with him he begins to these demons begin to manifest and God comes through in power and delivers him sets him free and then God says I want you to pray for him to be filled with the Holy Spirit Leanne's mother had been filled with the Holy Spirit, all the sisters, except for Janine. Janine was the only one we would pray for, and she couldn't get it. And her and Alan, her and my father-in-law, were so close. And I used to think it was because she was so cerebral. It was, you know, she was... So anyway, so I pray for my father-in-law, and all of a sudden... <sighs> starts praying in tongues. This is in New Zealand, 1997, in Auckland. It's about quarter past ten at night, and the phone rings. For millennials, we used to have phones that were stuck to walls. Was on, was on the, and so I'm like, God, not now. Oh, devil. Typical. Father-in-law. And the Holy Spirit's like, answer the phone. I'm like, Holy Spirit. <laughs> this is a sacred moment you probably don't realize. And he's like, oh, myself. He's like, please answer the phone. So. I pick up the phone and there's a hysterical young lady on the phone. I'm like, slow down, slow down, slow down. Who is this? Janine. Darling, what's going on? She goes, I was driving out of church. This is quarter past 10 in Auckland, New Zealand, but it's quarter past eight in Newcastle. She goes, I was driving out of church. And as we came out of the parking lot onto the street, she said, I felt something in here rise and leave me. And then all of a sudden, listen. For years, we tried to pray for it, couldn't get it. But as soon as the thing broke over the father, it broke over her. They were in two different lands, but it was at the same time something happened. See, the, this one here sits and he occupies the priestly place. He doesn't want you to have breakthrough. He doesn't want you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. He doesn't want you to move in the gifts and the power of the Spirit. The last one, and I'm folding this, and I'm going to give 
this stuff to Alex so I don't look at any more. The last one I want you to notice he's unnamed. I want you to notice he's unnamed. All we know about him is he has six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot. Six is the number of man. Twelve is the number of government, godly government, godly council. How many tribes did, did, did Israel have? How many disciples did Jesus have? How many calendar months are there in a year? How many constellations are there? Very good. How many notes are there in an, in an octave? Twelve. If you look at your piano, there are, there are seven uh, white keys, which are, and then there are five that are your sharps. Twelve. How many hours govern the day? How many hours govern the night? Twenty-four. So this, this one here has twenty-four. Twenty-four. The number two in the Bible is, is indicative of word alignment or agreement. Uh, agreement. So two times 12 is 24. 24 is human government where they've aligned themselves and they've come into alignment and agreement against God. It's, that's why it's Psalm 2. Let me just say this. In this church, we teach people that we trust God, but we question government. We trust God, but we're suspicious of men. Fools will teach you, trust government, trust men, but question God. We're the opposite here. Now, I'd, I'd, I'd have no problem if, if, the, if our politicians were godly. And, you know, we got up this morning, we just read the word of God and we're, you know, our passion is for, we just want to honor God. Hey, hey, are you offering me a bribe right now? But I'm telling you, the saddest thing, I, I know pastors and preachers who are telling, just, just implicitly trust human government. The Bible says in, in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart of man is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things who can know it. Do you know what happens when you elevate in authority? You magnify what's in the heart. Rebellion is in the heart of man. And the Bible teaches that human government has a rage against God. But I want you to notice it has no name because it operates in stealth. The serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field the Lord God has made. So Satan enters into the creature that God has made. He doesn't turn up as himself. The Bible says Satan entered Judas. He looks like one of the disciples, one of the 12. <coughs> the word occult means hidden, covered, concealed. The devil operates in the covered. He operates in the concealed. He operates in the hidden. I, I didn't vote for the World Health Organization, but they're the World Health Organization. And we need to do what they say. Well, hang on, hang on. I didn't vote for them. Why do I need to listen to them? What? I didn't vote for the World Economic Forum. I didn't vote for Klaus Schwab. They're, they're, they're making decisions. Well, because of climate change, we need to depopulate the planet. These things operate behind the scenes. And this spirit, it's the final spirit, but it has no name. All that we can identify is that it operates through human government, 24. And this is, this is one that is there and is pesky, but it was also brought down by the saints. It was also brought down by David and his men. It was also brought down. And I want you to know that Yeshua, Hamashiach, Jesus the Christ, walked in that he was called Jesus, the son of David. When you are born again, the same anointing on David was the anointing on Yeshua is the same anointing on you and I. You and I are anointed to take down the five giants, including this last one. The one that we're raging against right now is this last one, but I'm telling you, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Come on, somebody. We have authority. We're going to tear down our giants. We're going to tear. We recognize. We recognize. Oh, you're operating behind the scene. Most of them operate behind the scene because they're freaking cowards. I reckon he, was, he didn't give his name because he knew his brothers were defeated and he thought the same thing's going to happen to me. I watched all four of my brothers. I walk into their bedroom, empty bed, empty bed, empty bed, but there's a gravestone, a gravestone, a gravestone, a gravestone. I, I'm telling you, they're cowards. They're cowards. They have no match for when the church rises. Come on, stand to your feet. I've got to finish. They have no match for when the church rises. 
These are five spirits that you are graced and anointed to take down. You don't, have to, you don't have to coexist with Goliath, the soothsayer. You don't live under that word, live under the word of God. You don't have to, you don't have to let Lachmai steal your bread. You don't have to let Sippai terminate in the doorway and keep you at, at this level, this level of poverty, this level of understanding. You don't need to let Ishbai Benob rob you of your priestly blessings and your priestly anointings. And last one, you don't need to let the world dominate, dictate, and subjugate your life. You are called to flourish. You are called to increase. Just close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're here today and you've never surrendered to Jesus, friend, everything begins with surrendering to Christ. If you're away from God, come back to God. If you once walked with God, but you turned away, ran away, fell away, you're away, come back to Him today. Or maybe you're here and you're just far from God. Friend, don't leave the same way you came in. If you're any one of those three categories, you've never surrendered or you once did and you're away or you're here and you're just far, would you let me say a prayer for you? If that's you, just quickly lift your hand while no one's looking around and I'm going to see your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Who else is there? Lift it high. Thank you. Thank you, darling. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you through there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. Who else is there? Just lift it high. Thank you, darling. I see your hand, man. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you up there. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Who else is there? Thank you in there. Thank you in there. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Come on, let's all say these prayers. Thank you, sweetheart. Let's all say this prayer with me out loud. I promise you I'm going to hand back to Alex and he's going to dismiss us and we're going to go and have a yummy lunch with some amazing people. But come on, let's all say these words. Say, Heavenly Father, today I surrender to Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior. I receive His power, the Holy Spirit, as I am born again, washed clean, forgiven of all my wrongdoing, all my sin washed away. Today I am a child of God. Today I am. I was going to say your son, but we can't say there's sons and daughters. Today I am born again, forgiven, and I have eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.